Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. If you are ready to be a fly on the wall for some deep and delicious conversation, then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about planting new thought seeds and empowering our black minds to go deeper, touching on topics that most people may not think to think about. And we do this with everyday real people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, Master NLP and Hypnosis Practitioner and Trainer, Author, Speaker and Coach and the Founder of the Black Mind Garden Community. I'm here to motivate, empower and inspire you to be powerfully in the driver's seat of your mind and think outside the box so you can have the deepest experience of joy, success, freedom and peace of mind in all areas of your life. Now, let's get to the good stuff. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know every time we release another mind remapping meal for you. Okay, y'all, let's get meta. Okay, you guys, welcome back to the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. So today I'm super excited about my guest. <laughs> he is a sister friend of mine and uh, the wife of another very good friend of mine as well. We are family, basically. And this is uh, Charlotte Hurst. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about highly sensitive people. And it's interesting because how this topic came up was just in like normal conversation. We were just talking about, you know, momhood and, and the way we react to the world and the way our kids react to the world. And, and I, I brought up this whole idea of sensory processing, the way our brain processes, and it's led into this whole conversation. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so Charlotte sent me this evaluation, this assessment, and I took it and I scored really high. And I was like, that explains some things. Mm -hmm. So I really thought that it would be very prudent because this is more common than we think for us to talk about this to give space to those people out there who may be having this experience. So welcome, 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 Charlotte, to the show. I'm so, so glad to have you. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, you know, I like the audience to get a little acquainted with you. So to talk a little bit about what you do, who you are, your accomplishments. Okay. Uh, well, officially, uh, professor of management at the University of Notre Dame. And I'm a researcher and a, a big part of my research is personality. So, you know, I, I know like the research side of what we call sensory processing sensitivity mm -hmm. uh, out in the world, we're calling it highly sensitive um, people who are high in that trait. And then personally, I am an HSP, a highly sensitive person and actually learned that way before I became, uh, you know, personality researcher so it's been it's been a big part of my life like it's informed a lot of my life I think that's it that's really all I have to say about myself right now <laughs> well you know one of the things that I am always fascinated is when you share your title your okay you have to say it you are organizational what is it tell me again um, organizational behavior organization <laughs> psychology you know we call them both yeah 
Yeah. So I like that. I mean, I'm always fascinated with that title, organizational psychology. <laughs> and, and I think it's important for people to know that you have that psychology background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we both do because, mm-hmm. you know, you are not only a researcher, you're degreed in it, you work in it, you know, mm-hmm. and you have the personal experience of it. Yeah. So like, it's just, you know, all, all of the various ways that you, the perspectives that you have of it are very mm-hmm. valuable. You know, yeah, that does definitely, you know, I'm thinking a lot these days about how sensitivity affects people's work and their experiences at work. So it's something I want to look more into to um, just understand what HSPs are dealing with and their work life. So let's talk a little bit about what highly sensitive means. Like, what is that actually mean? For the people out there who don't know. (laughs) Okay, so it's scientifically a trait called sensory processing sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And it's normally distributed in the population, which means that, you know, they think like maybe anywhere from 15 to 30% of people are high in sensory processing sensitivity. So we call those people HSPs, highly sensitive people. And it's, you know, sensitivity has a lot of different meanings, you know, in and out in the world, somebody I was reading the other day was saying, you know, it's one of those few words got very positive, but also very negative connotations as in like, mm-hmm. you're too sensitive, you know, right. or that. but it refers really to kind of ner- nervous system sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And so people who have this like high, highly sensitive nervous system, they are very attuned to their environment. They're attuned mm-hmm. to other people. A lot of people who are HSPs, you know, call themselves empaths, you know, mm-hmm. because they're very attuned. And because we take in so much, we process things more deeply. There was an interesting study that was published, and it was an MRI research, MRI study, um, neuroimaging. And they looked at how HSPs make decisions. And, you know, and they looked at whether we make decisions more like people in Asian cultures, specifically Japanese people, because in their culture, they tend to look more at context when they're mm-hmm. making decisions or just making observations. They look at everything that's around whatever it is they're trying to evaluate. Whereas mm-hmm. in our culture, people tend to zoom in on just like kind of a narrow aspect. That's why a lot of times we tend to attribute things. If we see somebody acting out or something, we attribute it more to the person rather mm-hmm. than the environment in our culture. But it turns mm. out HSPs process things and make, you know, observations and decisions more like, you know, Japanese, like cultural norms, you know, mm-hmm. that we, we take more context into account. So, you know, this is wonderful because it can lead to better decisions, but it can also lead to, you know, just feeling overwhelmed a lot if you're not careful because you're taking in so much more information from the environment. So, you know, there are... um there are gifts. I think a lot of HSPs don't see the gifts in being an HSP because we live in a world where a lot is coming at us and we're expected to do, 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 and go, go, go all the time. So, you know, most of the HSPs I've talked to just have found it really challenging, almost to the point of feeling like it's a curse or a disability. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting thing. Like, so first of all, the way you talked about HSPs highly sensitive people processing or making decisions based on context or like big picture-ish is so relatable because now in NLP and neuro-linguistic programming, and it's so funny, I just taught this class like the other week 
we mm-hmm. talk about high chunk people mm-hmm. and low chunk people, right? Mm-hmm. The big picture people or the details, details people. Mm-hmm. And people who have like this high, high sensitivity processing, they tend to be people who are high chunk people, mm-hmm. right? They are like more big picture. So then the, all of the information, the detailed information that's coming at us Mm-hmm. is like way too much yeah you know yeah and so it's interesting because I love the way you said uh, sensitivity has all these different con- connotations mm-hmm. some positive some and some negative yeah. and I remember growing up my mom calling me sensitive and it being it being said like it was a, a negative thing yeah right And then later when I learned to take care of myself, and we'll talk about that too, like when I learned to take care of myself because of the way, and I didn't even have language for it. I really didn't have language for it until like maybe a couple of years ago or maybe last year. And then you really honed it in in our conversation, like, oh, it's a highly sensitive person. Because I kind of had an idea of the sensory processing sensitivity, but I didn't have this very specific language. Mm -hmm. But I did learn I knew that I was sensitive to the environment and I learned how to create boundaries and set, take care of myself in a certain way. And it occurred for other people, you no, know, particularly my family, that I was aloof, that I was not unemotional, yeah. right? Because yeah. there were certain ways that I learned to shut things down. Yeah. And so it's just, it's so interesting how being sensitive mm-hmm. is automatically for the most part is like a bad thing. Yeah. And really it can be a gift, like you said, mm-hmm. and it also can be looked at in a different way. Like mm-hmm. if someone is sensitive, instead of thinking that's like emotionally labile or, mm-hmm. or not in control of their reactions, mm-hmm. it's more like, oh, the way you're processing things is different. And if you look at that, then there's something to be like, okay, not like what's wrong with you, but how is your processing different? And mm-hmm. how do I need to interact with you? in order for you to for it for it to work exactly yeah so we need to be around people who respect that which can be hard to find because it's it's hard to find people who well it's just so culturally different you know it's so different from the way we operate oh you said something just a minute ago that i wanted to go back to it escaped me so we can move on and maybe it'll It'll come come back (laughs) yeah it'll come back that's what happens that's what happens in these Mm -hmm. conversations we go deep you know, one of the things that I noticed, and I would love your, your feedback on this, I always noticed that I was very sensitive to smell. Mm-hmm. I was very sensitive to light, and I was very sensitive to sound. To this day, still am, right? Mm-hmm. So is my son, actually, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, how that relationship, like, how that can be a tip-off to someone being highly sensitive. Yes. Definitely. So yeah, I have that same experience. I'm really sensitive to um, light and sound. My office is always really dark at work. People would always come in and be like, you want to turn on the light? I'm like, Mm-mm, no, especially not the fluorescent lights. Mm-mm. It's almost painful, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of us have that. And that's actually part of the scale is sensitivity to like those sorts of things. I think a lot of people kind of wonder if they tip over into um, sensory processing disorders, you know, and sometimes I wonder like, is this like to the point where you consider it a disorder? But yeah, it's, it's a big part of our experience and it makes certain things more difficult. Like shopping has always been really difficult for me. You know, the fluorescent lights, the sound, Mm -hmm. 
And then there's just so much stuff to look at and decide mm-hmm. about. But yeah, and the sound thing has in particular been the bane of my existence because I mean, there's sound everywhere. And especially having kids, they can be really loud. And other people just don't experience the noise the way that I do. Like even just faint noises can just yes. drive me a little crazy. So it's actually been a relationship issue. You know, it's affected mm-hmm. my relationships with a lot of people because there's just kind of this conflict about what noise level is okay. Yeah. So, you know, I invested in some high-end noise canceling headphones last year. I actually walk around my house with those on plus earplugs in. Mm, yeah. Oh, listen. Listen, I just bought these, a new pack. Yeah. Just this weekend. I keep those. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lifesaver. Yeah. And yeah. and it's so interesting because like when I get in the car with my mom, she loves to blast the radio. Or if I walk into her house, uh-huh. she has the TV super loud. And I always come in. I'm like, can you turn that down? It's always mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know? like, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, yes, they're so sensitive. And I'm like, yes, they are. Yeah. And I can't go to, and like, if I'm going to go to the mall, I really hate going to the mall, first of all. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the advent of online shopping and Amazon is like heaven because yeah. I don't have to go to the mall. And then right. when I, did, when the pandemic started and I started Instacarting, I, you know, make no mistake, the pandemic was horrible, but Instacart, I was like, you mean I never have to go to the grocery store again? That's, <laughs> what? Like grocery shopping is, you know, I wish I was organized enough to know in advance everything I need, but yeah, it, it is nice. You know? And so, you know, when I would go to the mall with my mom, I remember as a kid, like all of that sound and all of the people, some of it's the intensity of the sound, but some of it is the the frequencies, the various frequencies and the yeah. muffling, the, the, the rumble. Yeah. It's just like really bothersome. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only stay in it for maybe about an hour if, if that. Yeah. You know, if I go to the mall, I will go. If I have to go to the mall, then I'll go like on a Wednesday yeah. at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always leave there exhausted. It's exhausting. So, uh, but you know what? I remember what I was going to comment on before. Mm-hmm. You talked about emotional ability and how people might see us as emotionally labile. And that's true. We may have more of a tendency to be that way, but probably only if we're in adverse circumstances where we're overwhelmed a lot. So we don't, so our self, our ability to self-regulate is low. And also when we grew up in adverse circumstances, we're more likely than other people to be emotionally labile. But if you grew up under, you know, good circumstances as an HSP, you tend not to be any more emotionally, you know, kind of unstable than anyone else. But that's the thing though. The thing is we are much more susceptible to, you know, adverse environments. You know, you said something that was really interesting is that we have less capacity or yeah, less capacity to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really interesting because some people may feel like, oh, you know, it's like anger management. Like I have no control of my emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and in super overwhelming situations, like in a regular situation, you may be able to self-soothe or self-regulate. And what I'm, and what we mean by that, I think people who are like saying like, what does that mean? It just means like calming yourself down or bringing yourself back to focus or bringing yourself back to center, like doing it without anybody having to do it for you. Right. Right. And highly sensitive people may have lesser capacity to do that. And I find for myself that Mm -hmm. that can be true. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
I love, you know how much I, I adore my, my six and a half year old. And he has this wine, oh. <laughs> right? You even know, it's like nails on a chalkboard, right? Yes. And there's a specific, when he, there's a specific way that he can cry <laughs> that I can be very intolerant about. Now, before I'm going to tell you, before we had this conversation some weeks ago, I was thinking something is wrong with me. Parents out there listening, moms out there listening, get, get at me with this one. Something's wrong with me because I cannot stand to hear my son wail and whine like that. Like it mm -hmm. literally does something to my brain. It drives me nuts, right? I have to leave the room. Yeah. I have to go into another room, close the door. And I feel bad because I know he's trying to communicate something to me, yeah. but I literally cannot stand yeah. it. Yeah. And what I, after we had that conversation, I was like, you know what? It's not the whining itself. It's the frequency of the noise. Mm -hmm. And so one day he starts the whining and I had one pair of earplugs left. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hold on, Delson. I can't, cause I said, I can't, I said, you know what? Mommy's brain cannot stand this noise. So I'm going to go get my earplugs. Mm -hmm. So I went and I put the earplugs in and he was still whining, but mm -hmm. then I could listen to him, mm -hmm. you know, because somehow this little thing, mm -hmm. it blocked the, whatever frequency it was that was driving me bananas. Yeah. So now I keep a, a, a pair in the car, mm -hmm. a pair in my purse, mm -hmm. a pair in my room, yeah. right? In every room in the house. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Because he's yeah. six. Of course yeah. he's going to whine from time yeah. to time. Right. Yeah. But I, as a parent, want to be able to hear him and not be like, ah, you know. Yeah. 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 That's one of the challenges. And and I just have to plug these on uh, this product here, earplugs, mm -hmm. reusable, and they have a wire that's attached to the earplugs. I just wear these around my house, around my neck. So anytime I need to block out noise, I can put them in. But yeah, I completely identify with that. You know, my, my son went through that whiny stage when he was six. We have a six-year-old now going through their stage and making all kinds of noises. So yeah, I definitely identify with that. And there's research on HSPs who are parents that's found that, you know, we can be kind of not very supportive parents when we're overwhelmed mm -hmm. and you know often the source of the overwhelm is the kids themselves you know so we can be really sensitive and I find it's not just the noise but it's um when my kids are upset it's just very upsetting to me you know mm -hmm. it's very distressing mm -hmm. to me and I'm feeling for them so yeah. it's harder for me to be there for them right but yeah I like also that you said that you kind of explain to your son you know, why you need the plugs and what's going mm -hmm. on without making him feel blamed for your discomfort. Right. And, and so I think this is like part of, you know, the learning is in communicating with our kids and, and also learning ourselves is when we understand ourselves, we can explain to our kids, well, look, you know, mommy's putting these earplugs on, or when I get upset about more about my brain is mm -hmm. processing or can't process it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is for me is if when my son, you know, <laughs> which they, he does, right. He just does it. And I'm learning to like, sort of explain to him what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. He just runs up on me and like, you know, runs into me and hanging on me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I love affection. So I love the hug and the kiss. 
but there's a way about that overstimulates my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have to be like, stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a hug and a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> let's get a hug and a kiss. <laughs> yeah. You know, not yeah. just, you can't just be run up on me and like, mm -hmm. but he's, you know, and he's a boy. So it's kind of like, well, it's, it's par for the course. Yeah. But I'm really trying to get him intuitive to, all right, this is how I, pro this is how I, I process mm -hmm. these things don't work. You know, you run the risk of getting yelled at if you do mm -hmm. these things yeah. and mommy's trying yeah. to work on it, right? Like mm -hmm. mommy's really working on it. Yeah. And so, you know, I say these things, I think as a parent and even in relationships, like um, in romantic relationships, mm -hmm. you know, people who there's only so much listening to someone talk that I can do continuously before I have to be like, all right, I need a break. Yes. Oh, I have that same thing. <laughs> I'm, I have a very talkative husband, as you know. <laughs> that's, that's a regular theme for us. I'm like, okay, I need, I need a break. I need a break. Right. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, especially yeah. when the conversations are intense and he's like, why are you tapping out? I'm like, I'm not tapping out. I just need to like bring my, you know, nervous system yeah. like, to a place where I can be present in the conversation. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that as highly sensitive people, the most important thing we can do is understand our triggers mm -hmm. and then communicate them to the people in our lives. Yeah. Right. And that's a self-care action. Mm -hmm. Like really saying, I preframe some people and say, look, I am a person that I love to be with people, mm -hmm. but there's a point at which I get full. And mm -hmm. when that happens, I can't listen anymore. Mm -hmm. So there may come a point in our conversation if we've been in a long conversation that I might say, okay, I'm full. Mm -hmm. And that means I need some quiet. And I may get up and I may go away, but I'll be back, right? Yeah. And I have to pre-frame the people in my life about that so they don't think I'm just being rude mm -hmm. or I don't wanna I don't wanna hear what they have to say yeah. or I don't like them. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that people make up in their minds yeah. when yeah. when they have a reaction, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that discussion about being around people and needing a break, I think the question always comes up is, you know, is HSP just, is it just introversion? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because a lot of people identify as introverts and that's much more well known, mm -hmm. but the research shows that, you know, they're not the same thing. You can be an introvert and not very highly sensitive and there are extroverts who are highly sensitive. So, mm -hmm. You know, they're not the same thing, but introverts do. I'm sure a lot of introverts listening to this will be like, well, that's, I have that experience or whatever. <laughs> you should go ahead and take the HSP test too. Hey, right, right. It might be both. Yeah. And it really helps to add to your understanding of yourself to know that because then you'll start noticing other ways that sensitivity affects you that you may not have realized, you know, were related. Yeah. And I love you bring that up, that introversion, although it may overlap is not the same thing as, mm -hmm. as HSP, as the highly sensitive person and that extroverts can also be highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think that's really key for people to understand. We really have to build our self-care regimens. You know, big, big, big on self-care and you are too yeah. around works for us in our environment because at the end of the day, that kind of self-care helps you be the best person for yourself and for your job and for your kids and for your spouse and your partner. You know it helps you to be the best person. And another preframe that I do for like the people in my life is that just that I say, you know, I do the things the way I do them so that I can be good, not only for myself, 
but so that I can be likable and tolerable mm -hmm. around <laughs> people that I care about. Yeah. Right. right. Because if I'm not, then, mm -hmm. you know, what yeah. good am I yeah. <laughs> you know, to the world? Yeah. yeah. You know, That's I have a, a question. Thing. Okay. It's sort of a sidebar question about whether this is related. Highly sensitive people and food. I find, I don't know if this is a function of just my metabolism or a function of being highly sensitive. I find that like when I get super hungry, prolonged hunger, and it doesn't take very long, you mm -hmm. have to eat regularly mm -hmm. or else it affects like the way I process things. And I don't know if that's a blood sugar thing or if it could be related to highly sensitive, or I wonder if there's a physiological mm -hmm. component to highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that nervous system thing. I think the word for it's interoception when you, how attuned you are to how your body feels. Ah. And so we're just, I think a lot of us are just really aware of the signals that our body is sending us and we'll notice pain or discomfort. And I'm like that too. You know, I'm a regular eater, <laughs> but mm -hmm. also if I eat something that is not great, for me, you know, I look around, I'm like, how do all these people, like how they eat, you know, they eat bacon and eggs and toast for breakfast and they go get a burger for lunch. I mean, don't you feel horrible? You know, because I really noticed even like in the morning, people are like, oh, you do yoga every day. You look, look, you know, that's so wonderful. Great. And I'm like, you know what? It's not really an accomplishment. It's a necessity because I feel the tightness in my body. And if I walk mm -hmm. out of the house, feeling like that, just nothing feels right. I, mm -hmm. I got to get rid of that tightness. I don't know how people get up and just <laughs> no, I don't. If I don't prepare my body for the day, it's lost. Yeah. So we, we definitely feel those signals more. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. I'm a yogi too. And I, it's like, I say yoga keeps me sane. Mm -hmm. Body and mind. You know, yep. if I don't, if I go three or four weeks without yoga, I'm getting all kind of craziness going on in my shoulders and yeah. you know, things coming out of place and the knee yeah. and the hip. And, you know, I'm 46 now and I'm not exactly. just that, just not that agile anymore. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I used to be, as I used to be, right? right. But well, probably um, a lot more than a lot of people who are younger than you. That's one of the benefits of being an HSP. If you honor that need to take care of yourself is that you get to our age and older and you're younger than a lot of people because you've taken care of your body because your body forced you to take care of it. You know, I've been running for well over 20 years now, like a regular runner. I can't miss mm -hmm. it. You know? And I'm just really thankful because I see people around me developing kind of chronic issues right. that you don't get as much when you're a runner, when you regular exercise. So yeah. it's awesome to have the habits in place already. I know. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, let's, how do we set ourselves up for success? Now, understanding you know, like if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I relate to this. Maybe I'm highly sensitive. We're going to have a resource in the show notes where you can, a link where you can actually go take an assessment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you determine that you are, and also you can take this assessment for your kids. So like for myself, you know, some of this stuff can be genetic or passed down or familial. You can take it for your kids. And, and my son, he's highly sensitive. And I, I kind of knew because I, because it came from him first. And then I was like, oh, some of the things around highly uh, sensory processing, I have. So mm -hmm. that's how I, I became aware of it in myself. So you can you test your kids too. And oh, one thing I wanted to say is this is like a big spectrum. So when we talk about introversion and highly sensitive, I wonder, it seems like it's like a big old spectrum mm -hmm. that everybody falls on mm -hmm. at some point. 
And wherever you are on the spectrum, it's just where you are on the spectrum, right? Like there's no right, no wrong, no bad, no good. It's just where you fall. And it's important for you to know where you fall on that spectrum so you can set up self-care routines. So with that, how would you say, like, what are some of the like quintessentials around self for highly sensitive people? I wouldn't be surprised if all of us need our sleep, like really, really need our sleep. Seven to eight hours a night, maybe more. Yes. You know, I know if I don't get that sleep, I am just worthless the next day. And I've always been jealous of people who didn't need as much sleep as me or who could operate tired. Mm -hmm. So I think sleep, you know, we talked about the regular meals, you know, doing something for your body to kind of, to relax it, to relax Mm -hmm. your body, you know, relax your nervous system, whatever activities will take you out of, keep you out of fight or flight mode and keep you in that, you know, parasympathetic state where, you know, that's the state where you can learn and be creative and all that. That's where you really can mind the benefits of being HSP. But I just, you know, recently have been thinking about a self-care lifestyle. Self-care is a lifestyle rather than mm-hmm. something you do when you're not working or taking care of kids or whatever. But because I've always felt like, I have to do so much self-care. If I spent as much time doing self-care as I really feel like I need to, I would spend all my time doing (laughs) self-care. You know, I would just always, you know, it's not because I want to be a lady of leisure. It's just because, uh, you know, I I need it. But thinking about, okay, how do you make every moment in your day, you know, everything you do a self-caring sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and also as busy people, you don't necessarily have time to go get the massage, Mm -hmm. you know, and all the things they recommend doing. So how do you just like make every day? I think if you look at like the mindful living stuff, there's a place to start. Yeah. One of the things I do that is absolutely necessary is I have to have a specific amount of quiet time per day. Yeah. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, it yeah. usually amounts to, if I think about it, like if I really think about it, it usually amounts to about three to four hours, mm-hmm. not in one sitting. Cause I, there's just not, mm-hmm. unless I'm on vacation or my yeah. son's with his father, I'm not getting four hours of contiguous quiet time, right. but it may be like, you know, in the morning, an hour of yoga. It may be if I'm in the car and he, and I'm going to get him mm-hmm. having the, the radio be off and yep. just driving in silence. Mm-hmm. It may be like after I put him to bed and I intentionally put him to bed early, like I've trained mm-hmm. him from the youngest, he yep. goes to bed at like 7.30 now, he doesn't go to sleep until eight, but he's in his room and I'm getting my quiet time. Mm-hmm. I take longer showers. I take baths, you mm-hmm. know, like a couple of times a week. I just got a remodel of my house because I didn't have a bathtub mm-hmm. in my, in my owner suite. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's, that's not going to do because mama yeah. needs a bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I build in quiet time moments throughout mm-hmm. the day mm-hmm. so that I can recharge myself, you know, renew yeah. myself. Yeah. For me, quiet is like one of the most important things to mm-hmm. keep me like good. Yes. Yes. Cutting down on that sensory input. One thing I like to do is take walks during the day you know, mm-hmm. periodically take walks, just be out in nature. Nature is so healing for us mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, and, but a lot of people are afraid to, you know, do these things because they take time and you're not doing, and therefore you're not producing. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, a lot of these practices, though, look at the research, they make you more productive, they make you more creative, you know, not sleeping is, is just the worst way to take care of your brain and be productive, mm-hmm. especially in the long run. And one thing about HSPs that the researchers found is that we tend to be more likely to have low self-esteem, mm-hmm. which makes it even harder to make the decision to engage in self-care and have boundaries. We often have a low self-esteem because we have this trait that is devalued by the culture. We have these characteristics that are devalued. And so we grew up thinking something was wrong with us. And a lot of us end up having to you know, work on repairing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's fundamental when someone figures out that they're an HSP, if they identify with that idea of like of devaluing the trait, the first place to start is to really look at how you feel about yourself. And I wouldn't say necessarily build up your self-esteem because that's really hard to do, but to build self-compassion. Yes, yes. And, you know, to look at, well, what are the things that contributed to that and how, what do you need to do? to really start clearing that stuff out of the closet, right? Because you're just so right. Like if you've been devalued or been made to feel that something's wrong with you all of this time, mm-hmm. you know, like like we have, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, myself included, the first place to, to start is to like really evaluate that. Okay, how do I feel? You know, like the first thing I can say is, guess what? Nothing's wrong with you. Yeah. You know, like this is good news. It's just yeah. the way your brain works. Right. And I just really want to get people out of this whole something's wrong with me. It's like the way your brain works. It works yeah. a little differently from other yeah. people's, right? Yeah. Nothing's wrong with that. And then like looking at, okay, now all of these conversations that you've had about yourself for all these years, mm-hmm. time to wash them out. So what do you need to do to do that? You know, whether it be start with a therapist, whether it be get some my remapping, whether it be, you know, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. You, you need to deal with that. And I really love you say like about the boundaries, mm-hmm. because that is the thing that I'll say as an empath, mm-hmm. you know, and if you identify with being an empath, I recommend you take this test that we can have some trouble with is setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if you recognize any of these traits, take the test, start with the deep work, do something, start like, I love you say self-care lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Self-care lifestyle. Okay. How do you, how do you wash out the old negative self-talk and beliefs and old negative emotions attached to who you thought you were? Mm-hmm. And now that you have a blank set slate, how do you now then create a, a world or an environment that works specifically for you? Yeah. yeah. And I say infuse laughter into your day. I mean, yeah. like, that's another thing. Like, yeah, I forget to do that all the time. I'm so superstitious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have to remind myself to laugh. So, yeah. yeah. That's super important. It's so good for your health. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fun, fun, though, to cry, you know, because mm-hmm. crying puts you in a parasympathetic state. You know, I mean, it can get excessive, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> you, like, I frequently just say, I feel tension. I've mm-hmm. got let tears flow. And after that, I can go on with my day. I'm fine. Wow. So yeah, the laughing and the crying, the full range of emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and nobody, not Maisha, did not pay me to say this. <laughs> Her mind remapping has been the most powerful thing for me to let go of counterproductive emotions and thinking. And I mean, I've done therapy for years, <laughs> all kinds of different therapy and stuff. You know, therapy is important. Like I wouldn't recommend yeah. yes, I highly recommend a good therapist. But the mind remapping, it gets at the unconscious level, you know, and it just yeah. gets to the root. And I don't know how you did it. 
<laughs> but I have just, in just a couple of months, just felt so transformed and so much better able to put up boundaries. Like that's been the main thing. And to get really clear about decisions because I'm less uncertain of myself, you know, yeah. I'm looking at the right information and, and kind of filtering out all the other stuff. So it's been powerful. And I mean, I think HSPs would benefit from it regardless of how they're coping now. You, if you're doing good, you'll just do even better. So. I appreciate it. You know, that makes my heart sing, right? Mm -hmm. That just makes my heart be like, oh, it's exploding inside in a good way. <laughs> good. That's your HSP coming out. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're super lovey, lovey. All the feels, all the feels. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, but it's important to deal with that stuff because again, it's been piled on like, oh, you're sensitive. Or, oh, you're this. Or, oh, you're that. Or, and the, the truth is you just process a particular kind of way. That's it. That's all. So, well, cool. Well, oh, man, this is just, I think this is like the first of many conversations, just like a sneak preview. We're going to have another conversation <laughs> in the future. Yeah. So yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> and look, you know, look, just a little accountability. You know, I'm trying to train you in this uh, work because the HSPs need this work. Yeah. And, you know, I can do it, but mm -hmm. I want some partners. And uh, I consider you, you know, as an expert in behavior, like one of my partners. Oh. And I just appreciate you. And I appreciate that how we relate to each other. And, and, and I've gotten just as many breakthroughs just in our conversations as you have during our processes. So I just want you to know that. Thank you. Well, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. So, oh, <laughs> so it's flattering to hear that I've influenced you positively as well. well and look. on that also HSPs, the world needs HSPs to be able to do, to do this kind of work. I mm -hmm. think that is, you know, it remained in the gene pool for a reason, this trait, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we needed it. We're the advisors, we're the healers, mm -hmm. you know, wisdom. The world needs us to yeah. fill those roles. Yeah. That's so, that's so key. Like, HSPs tend to be like the healers or mm -hmm. the advisors, mm -hmm. a lot of coaches. I imagine creatives like musicians yes. and, yes. you know, like composers are HSPs as well. So it's just really interesting you said that because it's like, I wonder if we were to look up really what the HSPs are, are driven towards in terms of career, what yes. we see. But yeah. certainly you're right. I mean, there has to be a balance. And the reason that there's such a diversified way of processing is because the way people process informs how they're going to contribute to the world. Mm -hmm. And so make no mistake, if you're a highly sensitive person, that's why we have to get rid of those ugly conversations that you might have acquired along the way. Right. You have a big contribution to make to the world. Mm -hmm. You just want to honor that and figure mm -hmm. out what that is if you haven't already. Now, if you have, and you're in that position, then you got to own it. You own mm -hmm. your HSP. Yeah. And I think that's the power in it. You own it. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. You own it. You put up the self-care structures and strategies mm -hmm. that are going to take care of you. And then you set your boundaries mm -hmm. and you, you pre-frame people in your life. You let them know. And then you own your shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's what you do. You stand, you stand in your truth. That's right. Yeah. You stand in your power. So yeah, so thank you so much for coming to have this conversation. I geek out on this. This is brain stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, this is right up my alley. And I hope that, you know, as as the listeners, and I'm I'm sure that they have that can relate to this, so that maybe someone you know 
highly sensitive that you've looked at a particular way, you can be like, oh, share this podcast with them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because this will definitely transform the way they see themselves and their ability to now go up in the world a different kind of way. So thank you so much, Charlotte, for being with me today. I thank so you appreciate it. Me. You're welcome. Yes. And please let the listeners know your website where they can find you. Well, only website I have is not super related to this somewhat. It's called <laughs> autism. It's called autismamateur.net. And it's because I have an autistic child. So right now I'm blogging over there. I'm getting ready to put up a site though for HSPs. So stay tuned. That's going to be coming at you. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say, here's what I'd say about that. I wouldn't say it's completely unrelated. No, actually it's not at all. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> and I'm probably going to be, I'm planning to do a post in a little, and there's a lot of research about the overlap between HSPs and autism. And now people are starting to look at how parents of autistic kids actually have a lot of those traits. And I suspect that a lot of those parents who have a lot of those traits, but don't clinically qualify for an autism diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the people, there's a lot of overlap between people high in those traits and highly sensitive. So, yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is that my brother was autistic. Hmm. I never connected it, the dots until today. Yep. Siblings of people who are autistic also are higher in those um, traits. So there might be some, some link there that, you know, where some people tip over into like a clinical category, but you know, other people have a lot of those characteristics. I certainly identify with a lot of what I hear autistic adults say they go through. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so your autism amateur site actually mm -hmm. is somewhat related. And, you know, as you move to put up your site for HSP, perhaps there'll be some type of link, I imagine. There will be for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool beans, cool beans. Well, you guys, thank you for listening. I, you know, without the audience, there is no podcast. So, you know, if you like what you hear, we encourage you to share with others because, you know, the whole point of this is to really empower others and to get this message out to the world mm -hmm. and to transform lives. So share this podcast with your friends, write a little review and let us know what you think so that other people who come behind you know that this podcast can make a difference in their lives. So with that, I say you all out there stay safe. Thank you so much again, Charlotte, for being with us. We so appreciate you. I can't wait to the next time. Me too. <laughs> yes. And we will see you on the next episode. Namaste, y'all. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Remember to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode. Also, this is truly a movement for us, and I'm committed that this message reaches the masses. However, I am clear that it is you, our listeners, who help us to grow. So if you like this podcast, I would love and appreciate if you'd let us know. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and then share it with just three of your friends. We want to expand our reach and bring transformation to all of our brothers and sisters out there who are still seeking more freedom, purpose, and peace of mind in their lives. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to join our community, it's simple. Go to www.mindremappingnation.com. And if you're interested in learning more about NLP and hypnosis and how you can learn and train with us, consider 
looking at our upcoming classes. You can read more about that at remapmymind.com or schedule directly if you want more deep work at remapmymind.today. As always, we love and appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Namaste.